there's something about being together is huge. And closer together and touch once in a while is, is a good thing. And we learn how to function together. A couple of weeks ago when I preached, I started out with this word and um, it wasn't in my notes again, but the Lord said, read this again. This is out of 2 Timothy 4. He says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in the kingdom, preach the word. We also say, pray the word. We're going to talk a bit about that tonight. But preach the word. Be ready in season or out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. The evangelist is bringing good news. I have good news to bring tonight because we're gonna go to the word and we're gonna talk about faith to listen to the word of God. It's one thing to read the word of God. It's another thing to listen to the word of God and thereby do something with the word of God and being able to move in the, in the word. In some, now before I get in that, I wanna, I wanna tell you a little bit about my own history. I grew up in a church where the word was preached all the time. We read the Bible at home on a continuum, but I had no application of the word in my own life until I received Jesus as the Lord of my life and the Holy Spirit began to teach me how to receive the word. John, or James says to receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. See, well, you get born again once but your souls need to be saved on a repeat basis because your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotion. And those are the things that get troubling from time to time because we try to figure out with the intellect spiritual things. The natural man does not comprehend or understand the things of the Spirit of God. He's incapable of it. But the spiritual man tries all things. That's one who's led by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit needs to come and teach us how to receive the Word and how to lay hold of that. My friend Doug that led me to the Lord put me, he said immediately, he said, listen, you need to buy a Strong's Concordance and a Vines Expository Dictionary. That's when Vines was about this big and Strong's was about this big and it took two people to carry the thing. But it did, it gave me insight into finding scriptures but also to define scriptures. There's a lexicon in the back that will give you insight in that area. I'm gonna talk a little bit more about that later on. But there's something about assimilating the word of God and receiving it for yourself. And when you're reading the, the Bible for information or religious exercise, a lot of times you don't take hold of it. You don't make it your own. And that's one of the things that Doug taught me in that area. And he started in the Psalms. And one that I so remember was Psalm 37. And it says, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Boy, did I need to have my steps ordered because I was running in the wrong direction for a long time in a, in a lot of rebellion in my life in that area. And then a lady had come along and taught me to pray the word of God. And one that she started me is in Ephesians 1. And part of that is I pray that he may grant to less a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him 
by having the eyes of your understanding open and your heart flooded with light into the deep and intimate knowledge of God. I, in essence, got saved praying that scripture. Now, I didn't actually do that without some help because somebody explained repentance to me because I didn't get that part. Person that's in repentance doesn't want to hear or in rebellion doesn't want to hear about repentance in that area. But when revelation comes and an understanding come, when Ritz Katatama came along and explained that to me, I got it. And that's when the power and the, and the anointing of God came into my life and gave me a hunger and a desire and a passion for the word that I had been reading superficially, got it in the intellect, but I never got it in my spirit, man. Once it came in my spirit, man, I have a passion for the word of God. I learned to pray the word of God, take hold of the promises. And that's partly what I want to communicate to us tonight in, in this thing. Thing, I guess, teaching. <clears throat> Psalm 81 verse 13 says, Oh, that my people would listen to me. That's the heart cry of the father heart of God. That Israel would walk in my ways. I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. So we said a couple of weeks ago that listening is probably the most important part of prayer. Listening to the word and receiving the word is incredibly important because it's our basis for faith. Romans 10, 17 says that so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I want to insert one in that because I really believe you can't just follow with your will. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to follow Jesus for a long time going in the same direction. So that's an imperative. And that's why we taught the last time about praying and praying for the power in the, of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because the filling of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time event. Uh, Donna, my wife, has got a little phrase. She says, we leak. And so we need to be refilled again on a continuum. There's got to be a flow into our lives. There's a flow into our lives and there's a flow out of our lives. And that's where we begin then to minister to other people out of that resource. And so that's another reason why the word of God is so important is that you have resource then to give to someone else. It's how the prophetic works. And the, and the way we begin to speak, to edify, to exhort in comfort is first of all with the word of God. You receive the word and then you give the word. Then it becomes a flow in your life. And until there's a flow in your life, if you just stockpile it, just come listen. Listen to Rick on a continued basis. He's one of the best pastors and the best preachers I, I know of. And I've been around a day or so. But just listening to Rick on a, on a continuum and never giving anything away, it's kind of like the man that goes south after a while and it becomes introspective and narcissistic and it's all about me. Well, the kingdom is a whole lot bigger than you or me. And we all have this propensity to say, well, what about me? Well, it is about you. But then when it is about you, then give something away. Then it becomes fresh and understanding and more revelation will come to you in this process. And that's the whole aspect of this. John 6, 63, again, is one of my favorites. It says, uh, this it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, their spirit and their life. So the life giving, see, Adam became a living soul. The last Adam, Jesus Christ, became a life giving spirit. And this is the whole essence of the anointing of God that comes into our lives. And the God himself comes to be resident within us 
That's what changes us. That's what transforms us and has run some of the rebellion and the other stupidity that is in a whole bunch of us yet that needs to be cleaned out. It's the process. The other element in it is the word of God. The word of God washes your brains out so you think right. It also feeds your spirit, man or woman on the inside of you. It's life-giving and it's, it's an imperative in that dimension. And we all slip off the trail from time to time and we need to be reminded. You know, uh, I've got a list of scriptures we're gonna talk about here after a while. But I had to go to those tonight because this afternoon I got pretty stirred up. I'm not a geeky guy with electronics and computers and et cetera. And sometimes computers, they're demonic. I'm telling you, they really are. <laughs> And so I really got all jacked up about that whole thing. You know, what am I going to do with this? Because I'm trying to send an email of a little corrective thing to Yeva, and I can't make this sorry thing work. You know, it's, and I, it isn't like I haven't done this once or twice before. But there's opposition anytime you're preaching the word or preparing to teach the word. I guarantee you there's opposition in that area. We're going to talk about this scripture in a little bit, but in Mark 4.15, it says, Satan comes immediately to take away the word that's been sown in the heart. And I guarantee you, anytime you get close to the word, there will be some dimension of opposition that will come. Well, I got into this. And so I felt the Lord said to me, he said, why don't you come to me in that area? One of the scriptures that I go to, this is the love call in Matthew 11, starting verse 28. It says, Come to me when you're heavy laden, when you're overburdened, and when less when you're all fouled up. Just come to me. And he said, then take my yoke upon you. Learn from me because I'm gentle and humble of heart. and You'll find rest for your souls. Well, it took me a little bit, first of all, to get to that again. Because whatever you preach, you're aware. I mean, Jake said that the other day, and he and I know that. You'll have opportunity to walk through these areas. But coming into a place of receiving the word implanted, which needed to save my soul man this afternoon, then peace came. And I was able to calm down and not worry about that. Went to my phone. See, it worked on my phone. It just wouldn't work on the computer. How does that work? I don't know how that doesn't work, but it, it's just part of the warfare. But the area was having heard him and said, come to me. If you don't remember anything else I say tonight, you remember that whenever you're fouled up with whatever else, the first thing is come to Jesus. And you come as you are, not as you ought to be. So don't try to clean your act up first or get it together first because he already knows. It is when he, you know, when you tell him what's going on, it's not when he finds out about it. <laughs> now, that may be hard because our behavior is that kind of thing. It's like little kids. You know, you can't see me now. And we, we go through that silliness rather than come to him in allowing his grace to touch us. Grace is supernatural. The word of God is supernatural. The Holy Spirit is supernatural. And we've got to get into the spirit in these things. How does that work? I don't even know how that works. I just know it does because the word does in my experience has been such in that area because faith works by love. In Ephesians 3, 19 in the Amplified, it says that you may really practically through experience for yourselves come to know the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. And that you become a body, here's the phrase, wholly filled and flooded with God himself. 
Now in him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all you could ask, think, or even imagine, here's a phrase, according to the power that is at work within you. Power of God changes how we process information. And he's bringing us into a, a walk with him, into a relationship with him that's huge. This doesn't really have anything to do with my notes, but this is for free again, which I love these kinds of things because the prompting of the Spirit of God draws us into intimacy. Everything is designed for relationship with Jesus Christ. When we haven't got that, you haven't got anything. I don't care how much church you got or how much Bible you know or any of that area. It's the relational intimacy with him and the practicum of life in every part. That's what changes and transforms us. So the word of God needs to be spoken, declared, and rebelieved regularly. As I remember hearing the Lord say, now unless you believed it over here, I want you to believe it here again on purpose. You set your mind and you take hold of it and you, you declare what you believe. Paul says, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. So the speaking out what you believe, not trying to make anything happen, you're aligning yourselves with what's already written and documented in the word of God. Because all the promises of God are yes and they find their amen in Christ Jesus. Now, the word that, uh, of Jesus to the church, his church today is the same as when he spoke to the seven churches in Revelation. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And that's my heart cry for us, that we would begin to hear individually and we would hear corporately what the Spirit of God is saying to us. Because he's dealing with unfinished business in all of our lives. I know he is with me. And even this little episode that I had this afternoon, it was unfinished business because I didn't go directly to him. The Spirit of God had to prompt me to do that because I'm still in my soul man. And there are times when we talked about the pendulum that swings back and forth between the flesh and the spirit. We need to be prompted. So learning to know his voice. I just need to say this to you straight away too. Once you've been born again, not having just given mental assent to Jesus, but you have been born again by the blood of Christ and you've been filled with the spirit, the most important thing you personally can learn is how you hear his voice. You need to know him. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. We've had that word earlier, but that's just impressed in my heart right now. We need to hear this again, knowing his voice, hearing it, and then obeying his voice. Now, he's been given, he's been given, uh, we've been given his word to start with, the written word of God. And that's how you test what you hear. Everything that you hear and that you believe God is speaking to, check it out. Does it sound like Jesus? Does it sound like the written word? The Spirit of God will never come in anything that's in opposition to the written word of God. So having a working knowledge of the word of God, we're going to talk a little bit about that area. You need to know that and you begin to test these things out. That's why you need some tools where you begin to process this and see what you're hearing. Now, the word here is a cool. It means to attend or consider what is said, or check this out, what has been said. I'll say that one more time in that area. To attend or consider what is or has been said. Because there are times when you've heard things from the Lord you didn't want to hear. I've heard some of those things. I remember Rick saying this a while back. Sometimes the word of God just offends me. 
because it pokes me right where I live and where I need to be poked at. But I don't like that. See, So then I want to talk about this. And I've had this conversation with him a time or two. I'll say, now, I want to talk about this. He says, I understand that, but we're going to talk about this. And you know, he doesn't change his mind. <laughs> I've tried to talk him out of it a time or two. But when he is intensely dealing with unfinished business in our lives, he's not swayed in any of that area. Because those are the things that I need to make an attitude adjustment with. Some of that attitude is, I don't have a clue. Would you teach me? Other things is, I don't really want to do this. But would you create in me the power to willing to do for your good pleasure? So that he produces something of his grace that gives me divine ability to do that which I could not or would not previously do. That's my little term for being saved some more. It's ongoing, continuous action of a supernatural process. Now, we talked about the area of the words that I speak into their spirit in their life. Spirit is simply pneuma, it's breath. It's like the word for the Holy Spirit. It's our human spirit. And then Zoe is an eternal quality of life. It's supernatural life that we've been given by the blood work of Jesus Christ. So let's go to Mark chapter four. And we're going to listen to the life giver. And he's going to give us instruction of how incredibly important the word is. Because he is the word. He is the logos. He is manifest in the flesh. And he's come to, to teach us and how to explain to us how to use the word of God and what happens when the word comes on different kinds of soil. He's going to use something very practical in this area. So let's just start in this and we'll... Um, make some comments and look at this, these verses individually. Um, verse one. And he began to teach again by the sea. It, it's interesting. I've got that word again. He's always teaching in some dimension. And you've heard me refer to the disciples as the boys from time to time. I love that term because he's always teaching the boys in some dimension. This is a really important part. We'll pick up on this in a moment. And such a very great multitude gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. Let's just take a moment and define a parable. Parable is a comparing of one thing to another, a thing serving as a figure of something else, something to illustrate in that area. And the essence of this section in there is both the kingdom and the word. That's what he's going to be defining for us. And he was saying to them in his teaching, listen to this. There's an imperative directive. Pay attention, people. You know, you'll hear Rick say that every once in a while. Listen up. Don't miss this. That's what Jesus is saying. Behold, a sower went out to sow. Now, let me just insert this for a moment. Jesus is speaking to an agrarian society. This whole area of sowing and reaping, they were very familiar with it. That's where their food came from, start with. So they, were, they had watched this over and over again. So he begins to tell this story. And it came about that as he was sowing, <clears throat> Some seed fell beside the road and the birds came and ate it up. And other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. 
And after the sun had risen, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And other seed fell among the thorns. And the thorns came up and choked it. And it yielded no crop. Other seed fell into the good soil. And as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced 30, 60, and 100 fold. And he was saying, he who has an ear, ears to hear, let him hear. And then he obviously walks off. No explanation, no definition, nothing else in that section. Now, verse 10. And as soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the 12, began asking him about the parables. Now, I call the, uh, the followers seekers. Remember, we talked about when Jesus was defining prayer in Luke 11 a couple of weeks ago. He said, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. For those who ask and seek and knock will receive and will find and it will be open to them. So it's very interesting here. The boys come along and say, what's up with that? Now, you told his story. Now, I'm... Granted, I'm adding a little into that. It doesn't say that in there. But can't you imagine those boys saying, now you told this story about the sower and then you didn't explain anything to us. What's going on here? And it's like Jesus said, glad you asked. Okay. And he was saying to them, to the seekers, to you it has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are on the outside, everything in parables. So the mystery of the kingdom, we need to define this for a moment, because this is a key in understanding what's going on there. So if you go with me to the book of Colossians, and we're going to go to chapter one to begin with. The mystery, anytime you see the word mystery in in the New Testament, is a mystery that's available to be revealed. It's not a hidden mystery. That's not something that's kept that only the the special no in that area, but it's the seekers and the followers that have the revelation of the mystery. Colossians 1, starting with verse 26. And Paul has been talking about the preaching of the word that he's been given. That is the mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been manifest to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of the This mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The lordship authority in in our lives. Now drop down to chapter 2, verse 2. He's talking about the churches that he's been ministering to. That their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding resulting in true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So as we're studying through the whole dimension of the mystery of the gospel and the seed and everything else that we'll be talking about, it's all about Jesus. The bottom line, the Sunday school answer is always the same, it's Jesus. And in him crucified, See, the other part of the mystery is the fact that the Gentiles were going to be involved in the kingdom of God, not just the Jewish people. See, we've been grafted in in that dimension. 
That's why all the promises to Israel are so incredibly important. If he keeps his promises to Israel, he'll keep them to you as well. That's why we're great proponents of Israel, the nation of Israel, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is huge. So understanding that mystery is the revealing of Jesus Christ. Because you see, the, the Pharisees and those that were always fighting against Jesus are looking Messiah smooth in the face and they don't recognize him in that air. He's manifest. He's the mystery that's been hidden. That he was promised in Genesis 3.15 right on up through. And the prophets have spoken through every book in the Bible in that area of the coming one. Well, the coming one has come. That's why Jesus started his ministry. He says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The king's here. Now, the kingdom's not fully manifest. The kingdom is now, but not yet. We're seeing that fully manifest in the rule and reign in the millennial kingdom. Boy, are we looking for that. I was talking to somebody earlier, and I said, you know, it'd be great if he just would come tonight, you know. You know, yesterday would have been fine with me. But in the interim, we've got good news to bring to some folks that have not yet tasted how good he really is. That's also part of this thing. Now, the mystery is mysterion, the secret counsels which God, which governed God in dealing with the righteous, which are hidden from the ungodly and wicked men, but plain to the godly, because they're seeking after it. Okay. Go back to Mark here, and then Jesus is going to explain a little bit more of this. Remember in the last part of verse 11, it says, those on the outside, yet everything in parables. In order that while seeing they may see and not perceive, and while hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should return and be forgiven. It's so interesting because Don and I, you know, we've both been fighting these colds, and it's the first time we've, we read scripture out loud together on a repeat basis. One of our scriptures reading was this prophecy in Isaiah 6 today in that dimension. Because, you know, Israel and Judah both ended up in captivity because they resisted the will and the word of God over an extended time. They ended up in captivity. The whole nation ended up in captivity. Now the Lord's restoring his people back to their land again in that dimension. But it was a tremendous price to pay for rebellion and resistance to the will and the word of God. So the, the essence of what Jesus is explaining there, Matthew uh, 13 explains this a little further. And in that section, he says, they have closed their eyes and they've closed their ears. It's willful hardening of the heart. That's what causes him to withdraw and only come and speak to those that are seekers in that dimension. Verse 13, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? And how will you understand all the parables? This is a key in that area because it's the word that he's going to be teaching us here in a, in a moment in that area. And if you haven't got the word, you can't understand the other parables because it's about the kingdom and the word and the things of who he is and what he has done and what he is doing in that world. Verse 14, the sower sows the word. That is just, see, this is what's a paradox in this part of it area because he's the sower and he's the word and the seed at the same time. Now, how does that work? See, he's come and he's manifest himself to us. He's disclosed what God is like. He's the exact representation of the father. 
And he says, Philip, when Philip asked, show us the father, he said, listen, have I been with you so long and you haven't known me, Philip? The father and I are one. How does that work? I don't know how that works, but I know what the word of God says. And so these are things that we receive and we will see these things manifest one day. But in the interim, I believe that because the word of God says so. So I embrace the word because the soul man wants to figure the thing out. Remember, the, the, the non-spiritual man does not comprehend the things of the spirit of God. But the faith man is a spiritual man that takes by the power of the Holy Spirit and we receive and we believe because he said so. We take him at his word. That's in essence what faith is, is believing that God will do what he says he, do, he will do. And when he says that this is the way it is, then we take hold of that area. Now, John 1 and 1, <clears throat> verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14. And the Word, who obviously is Jesus, we know this, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the living word has been given to us. <clears throat> so now Jesus goes in to explain to the boys what has gone on with this parable that he's taught them about the sower. And he explains in detail. <clears throat> and these are the ones who are beside the road where the, sea, where the word was sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes to take away the word which has been sown in them. So now he's explaining also to us that there is spiritual warfare against the word. We've talked a little bit about that earlier, but I want to reiterate that to you. Because when you go to read your Bible, you know, the phone will ring. Now this happened to me a day or two ago. I'm smooth in the middle of studying and Jake texts me. He did. He says, we need to talk. We need to pray. And I said, all good, but I can't do it now. So we get in, it was eight o'clock before we ever got to it. In that so I had to put Jake off in that dimension. But somebody will do that. Your doorbell will ring or you will think of 10 things that you need to do immediately when you go to study the word. I guarantee these are what I call inserted thought patterns. They're not yours and they're certainly not God's. I think these are demonic things that need to pull us away from spending time with the Lord in the word. And so these are things you just need to be aware of. One of the other things that he does, he'll come along and tell you it's the word of God is not for you. That was for another time. It's not for you. That was then, you know, this is now. Or maybe for others, but not for you. Or you can't just take scripture and apply it to your life. Oh no, the Old Testament, that was a different time frame. The New Testament, mm, that's information only, nothing there for you. Deception upon deception and lie to keep you out of the word of God. Now, the lying started in the garden, and it's never stopped. It's undermined the credibility, the character of our God, and who he is. So let me give you some scriptures to refer, refute some of that area. Refer, yeah, that's a good word. <laughs> 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, All scripture has been, is profitable, is given by God, and is profitable. You can just stop with that. There's a profitable in every scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, which is teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete and ready for every good work. Okay. 
Hebrews 4.12, the word that God speaks is alive and it's full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it divides between the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow and the thoughts and the intent of the heart. It's really interesting. Soul, spirit, and heart are all in one verse in that area. Now, we've talked about this before, but I want to remind you, the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotion. The spirit is the real you. That's the part that gets born again on the inside of you. The heart is a combination of the two. Soul and spirit produces heart. And it takes both to be able to trust the Lord with all of your heart. Because when your soul is pulling you in a different direction, trying to bring your spirit into places it doesn't want to go in that area, then it isn't with a whole heart. That's double-minded. James talks about that area. He says, don't let anyone think you receive anything from the Lord. So double-mindedness is something that the enemy will insert a thought pattern. So we've got a belief system that's contrary to the word of God. And we used this earlier. James says in James 1.21, it says, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. And if you go with me now to Romans chapter 15, I want to pick up another verse here just to bring credibility again to the scriptures. And for example, where Paul had written to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 there, there wasn't any New Testament yet. It was being written. The scriptures then were the Old Testament in that area. And a lot of people have discounted the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. The Psalms and Proverbs and Isaiah, and I mean, they're all over the place. And I'll show you some of those scriptures later on. But the scripture is huge to be able to receive it. Now, uh, Romans 15, verse 4. For whatever was written in earlier times were, was written for our instruction that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Hope is an expectation of good things to come. The scriptures, see, all prophesy about Jesus Christ. That's what encourages and what comforts and strengthens. And that's what Israel was rejecting. That's where those with a hard heart didn't want it the way God had it planned in that area. They were going to go their own way and speak their own words. It did not go well with them. And it doesn't go well with us. And it didn't go well with me when I was in that same position as well. That's why repentance and returning to him is incredibly important. Now, I want to make another comment yet for a moment on where Satan comes immediately to take away the word. Now, you don't have to put up with his guff, okay? You don't have to put up with his lie. You need to know who you are in Christ Jesus. It's not an arrogant thing, but it's a confident thing. This is the confidence that we have in him that we make any request according to his will. We know he hears us. And if he hears us, we also have granted to us as our present possession the things that we've asked of him. Now, Jesus has given us instruction in Luke 10, 19 and 20. And it says this, Behold, I give you power and authority over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. But do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. A couple of things you need to understand. The first word of power there is exosia. It's privilege, right, and authority because our names are written in heaven over all the supernatural power of the enemy, over all the dunamis of the enemy. 
So he can't come at you with something that you can't resist because no temptation has come to you but is common to man and such as man can bear. And God is faithful to his compassionate nature not to allow you to be tested beyond your ability to resist and will with the testing always provide the way of escape, the means to a landing place that you may be secure and able to bear it. But you need to know who you are in Christ Jesus. There's an identifying with him as a son and a daughter of the living God. And you don't have to put up with the lies and the junk of the enemy and the inserted thought patterns. And you have to run him off. And I have to do this all the time as I'm praying for Rick. You'd be amazed at some of the rubbish that comes into my mind. I'll say, shut up in Jesus' name. Go from me. And I just, I'll do that under my breath and don't make a big deal of it. But you don't have to put up with his lies and with his deceit and the undermining of the credibility of who you are, the authority that you have in the word of God and silencing the enemy at that point in time. One of the other good antidotes for this is to exalt Jesus Christ. Now, the other thing that I do from time to time uh, and I teach people this to be a tattletale on the devil. And the way you do this is you say, Jesus, he's saying it again, and this is what he's saying. So you tell Jesus out loud what the enemy is tempting you or undermining or discrediting you. I've never found anything shut the devil up any faster than having an out loud conversation with Jesus about what he's up to. And then I'll say after that, but Jesus, what do you say? And then you listen for the word of the Lord. And a lot of times he'll say, okay, now take authority over that. Or he'll say, ignore that. Or he'll say, just come here, come to me. And so there's that interchange with the Lord. And we exchange the rubbish of the enemy for the word of the Lord. So the word is incredibly important. My friend Warren says this, uh, said this one time to me. He said, listen, he said, when you put the word in you, it's like putting money in the bank. One day there will be a withdrawal. So there's got to be something that you have believed and received for yourself. When I first got saved, there was, I, I had one scripture that I really got a hold of. And I heard Doug read this to me one day and it's Isaiah 54, 17. And it says, no weapon formed against you will prosper and every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. And the Amplified says they're sure to be in the wrong. And this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication or their righteousness is of me, says the Lord. That's about the only scripture I knew. But when I was an attack that came against me, I would declare that. I believe that word for me right now. And this thing that's come against me, you can just leave here because God's made me righteous. And he is defending me at this point in time. And so I just began to give that scripture away for a lot of years. And I'm sure a lot of people, well, here comes Les again. The only scripture he knows is Isaiah 54, 17, you know. <laughs> But there was faith in my heart for that word. It was faith for myself and it was faith to give it away as well. And the more I gave away, the more I got. So this is how this thing works. And it, it grows. The word of God actually grows on the inside of you. And it produces fruit. And we'll see this here in a moment. Verse 16. In a similar way, which is a key phrase in that area because something's going on there in similar to the enemy taking away the word. These are the ones on whom seed was sown on rocky places who when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy, but they have no firm root in themselves or only temporary. Then when 
affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. Well, guess who sends the affliction and the persecution in that area? And a lot of times when you first get saved and you haven't really grown and push your roots down deep in there, it'll be family members. Oh, super Christian. Now you're going to tell us what to do. And then the litany just goes on and on and they berate you and people that you work with. And oh, now what happened to you? And then this ridicule and all this rubbish comes in there again because and then because we haven't been firm in this thing and faith hasn't come in that area, we chicken out. And that's when we get ripped off. So go with me back to Colossians again. I want to pick up a couple of verses there. Colossians has been a, an amazing book to me. There's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Those you know how much I love Ephesians. We'll get there in a minute. Uh, Colossians 2, starting with verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed in overflowing with gratitude. Now that's exactly what Doug did for me. He, he taught me the word of God. We spent lunch hours together uh, for weeks and weeks in that area. And I, I grew, had a lot of this information, but I had no revelation. Uh, we would pray together. We would pray over the word. We look at what the word had to say to us. Verse eight, <clears throat> see to it that no one takes you captive through. Let me insert something for a minute. This is part of the whole thing that Jake is teaching us about fellowship having someone that you can process the word of God, the things that have been taught to us in learning, what are you hearing? And how does that apply in your life? This is an imperative for us. Nobody can do it on their own. I guarantee you people, and I've been in the Northwest for a lot of years. This is an independent bunch beyond probably anywhere around the country. And we're socially inept when it comes to spiritual things. But we have to be in a place where we can walk in the light together. John says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. There's a washing process of just being together and walking together and living life together is huge. Praying together. Walking in the light. It's, I cannot tell you how incredibly important that is. And those are the things that I had the privilege of being a part of. I got saved in a home group. So this, this is a big deal to me. No extra charge. Okay. <laughs> Verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty uh, deception according to the tradition of men. Boy, there's a whole bunch of us that got stalled in some kind of tradition in that area and unwilling to receive the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the power that's in the Word of God. And we go through religious exercises in that area. And so it makes us very awkward and uncomfortable when we get poked in these places. But this is part of the deal. According to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. 
In him you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. So this is lordship authority walked out in the real world with real stuff. So again, Doug is the one that really helped me tremendously and a whole bunch of other people too. It's one of the things that Jake and I do together from time to time. Iron sharpens iron so a man sharpens his friend. We process through things. We work through that. Our staff does that. We've got an amazing staff in this church and just the area with our shepherds as well. We wrestle through things. We pray together. We believe God together. And this is something I believe that the Lord is dealing with this fellowship right now. He's, you know, yeah, we took the chairs away. But you're a whole lot closer tonight to one another than you normally are. You're scattered all over the building in that area because it's more comfortable. Get over it. <laughs> we need to be together and we need to walk in the light together. It's a precious season. It really is. Okay, I said Ephesians, back up to Ephesians, a couple books to the left. Ephesians <clears throat> chapter 2. Starting with verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. See, I'm an only child. And that was always a grief to me. And... I've had countless people saying, well, you could have had my sister, you know, or, well, you want my brother? I'll give him to you, you know. But that's a lot of silliness as well. But, you know, there isn't everybody that's had healthy relationships. But because uh, of being in the Lord, having brothers, sisters in Christ, and that's all you are. I mean, you guys are stuck with me. I mean, you, you just can't get away. We're going to spend eternity together. Amen. But we've got to run at it now, see and walking in the light and being together and etc. Siblings in Christ. I don't think I've ever used that term, but that's who we are. We belong, see. You're not your own, but you belong to your faithful God and Savior, but we also belong to each other. This is a precious area. Okay, back to Mark chapter 4. I'm just like Jake, moving through this thing is blazing. <laughs> Verse 18. And others are the ones on whom the seed was sown among the thorns. And these are the ones who have heard the word and the worries of the world or the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Worry and care and soul processing will, will choke the word of God out of you and it will steal your ability to have faith. It's an unholy trio. Worries, deceit, and desire or lust of other things entering in. Well, worry, there's a four-step thing that I, I heard a lot of years ago. It starts with reason, 
worry, fear, failure. Those are the things that begin as you, in the, you process in your soul, because no faith, remember, in, there, in your brains, if faith comes in your spirit, man or woman on the inside of you. So that chokes the word away from you. So then the other unholy trio is fear, doubt, and unbelief. They come and undermine and discredit the word of God by logical thinking and by the lies and the deceit of the enemy. Now, when worries come about the cares of this world, 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 is a great word in that area. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he may lift you up, casting all of your care, all your anxiety, all your worries, all your fears, once and for all on him, because he cares for you affectionately and cares for you watchfully. So humility is a big part of this thing. Because it's in that area, I don't know what to do with this. And you bring your stuff before the Lord in that area. Because we've gone through a whole lot of things trying to figure things out on our own area. And then he'll ask me questions. Now, how is that working for you? Or are you done yet? Would you like to talk about it? Now, he's not seeking information. That's for my benefit in that area. I don't know what to do. And he said, come here, listen to me. What have I spoken to you? What are the promises of the word that I've already said to you? And many times he'll come quoting scriptures to me that I've quoted to somebody else. And that's amazing how the word of God diffuses worry, care, and fear in your life. Because that's what worry leads into. See, that's the four-step thing. Reason, worry, fear, failure. Then there's the deceit of riches. See, money isn't the root of all kinds of evil. It's the love of it. And Paul says to Timothy, he says, those that have been seeking after riches have pierced themselves through with many a pang. It's a self-inflicted wound in that area. Now, he does bring supply, and there's all kinds of scriptures and et cetera for looking for the supply of the Lord. But I guarantee you, it'll choke the word out of it when it comes in there and exalted itself over the knowledge of God. And then there's the desire for other things. Uh, one translation says the lust of other things. And I, I said to the Lord years ago, I said, now, I think I know what you meant. What did you mean by other things? And he said, things that are other than what I have planned for you. So he has a plan. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And he says, you come and pray and seek my face and I'll be found by you, says the Lord, when you seek for me with all your heart. But I tell you, the lust of other things are things that creep in there and discredit the, what the Lord's got planned for you and you miss the blessing. It's climbing up another way, the same as a thief and a robber, Jesus said. So those are the things that choke the word. It's a work of the enemy. Now, um, thinking and feeling is a very real part. And this is where the renewing of the mind comes into that area because we don't think right. That's why the word of God washes your brains out. And you, you be able to think according to the will of God. So, and I, I was taught this early on after I was saved. Understand what you think or feel, but what does the word say? So I have to go back to what is the written word? What have, do I know about that? And when I don't know, I need to go look it up. 
And I'm going to give you a tool for that here in a little while. But those are areas of looking to see what it already says. And one of the primary areas, and I used this earlier, he says, when you're overburdened, come to me. Come to me. This is a very tangible dimension of coming to him with whatever is going on or not going on in your life in that area. And then he says, learn from me because I'm gentle and humble of heart and you'll find a rest for your soul. And this is an imperative, I believe, is being able to understand. Now, verse 20. Finally, we've got to the good soil. And those are the ones on whom the seed was sown on good soil. And when they hear the word, they accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Receive it with a uh, with a good heart, with an honest and a good heart, we take hold of the word of God and we receive it for ourselves. One of the things I'd heard shortly, uh, a long time ago, uh, shortly after I was saved, is sometimes you have to read the Bible like it's written to you and nobody else. Now we know it's written to other people, but if I see it from that aspect, this is for me. Otherwise we're looking at it in some generic area, but it's got to make personal application in my life. And that's where James says, receive the word implanted in that area. And the word grows and it increases in, in its capacity also. A little further on in Mark, it says, uh, the seed grows, he knows not how. The earth produces of itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear, and then the harvest comes. There's a progression in that area. Becoming children of God is a process. You know, I've been saved for 40 plus years. I know a little bit more than I did when I first got saved. So there's a growing process and something on the inside produces faith to faith, not faith to fear and in and out in this vacillating part. But we come into a place where we become productive. Now, <clears throat> the fruit, you bear much fruit. Uh, John 15, 7 and 8 says this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. This is a huge area again. This is about the glory of God. This isn't just about us and other people. It's about our King and giving glory and honor. And it's also staying with it over the long haul. Remember the one seed in there had no firm root Then the pressure comes and we quit. This is, it requires endurance. So go with me to the book of Hebrews for a moment. Hebrews chapter 10. Chapter 11, it says, you know, faith comes by hearing, or uh, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And so pressure will come, even those that have the good seed. Uh, I've done a little bit of farming and I've had to put up with weather things and birds and all kinds of issues that are after the seed and come to steal it and undermine it. So even when there's good seed and it's producing, we're still going to have a battle from time to time. And so um, the Hebrew pastor here is admonishing and encourage that even under, uh, to endure under a lot of pressure. And the people in that time, the believers were really going through it. Uh, Hebrews 10, 35. 
Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Now, the Amplified says that you may carry away and enjoy the full what's been promised. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. For you are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. And I just believe, and I'm, I'm kind of on this thing with you right now, and I'm going to continue this. We've got to do this together. To be able to endure over the long time frame. And there's an awful lot of people that have gone down or have wandered away from the faith because they were afraid to walk in the light. Or they didn't have a safe place where they could bring their things, whatever it is that was troubling them. And I just, I just want to encourage you, find someone that you can pray with. Every service, we have people all around the sanctuary here that are available. You do not need to come and tell us what the issue is. If you've got something that you don't feel you can talk about, you say, would you just pray for me? This is an imperative, in my opinion. You don't have to air your dirty lawn. You need to be able to, to come into a place. If you've got stuff in there, but I just exhort you in Jesus' name, do not go out those doors the way you came in. If you're carrying a burden or you've got pressure or stuff going on in your life, let's walk in the light together. The Spirit of God will teach us how to pray in that area. That's where the prophetic gifting comes in and we'll begin to pray. And I've had that happen to me a number of times where people say, well, how did you know? You didn't know what my problem No, because God told me, he gave me how to pray for you because he wanted to let you knew, know that he knew about your issue. Because these sorry things are undermining the credibility of who you are, your ability to walk in the spirit and be able to hear him in that dimension. And he's teaching us. And I just talked to you young people back there. Don't you hide from one another. Don't you hide whatever you got going on. If you got stuff going on in your life, you come talk to one of us or you talk to each other. You pray for each other. James says the continued heartfelt prayer makes tremendous power available, dynamic, and it's working. And so the earlier you, you learn these things and you walk together in these areas, the freer you can be. You don't have to go down some stupid roads that a bunch of us older folk have been down in that area. So that's for free too. I don't have a clue where I'm at right now. Fruit. We're talking about fruit. Okay. Galatians 5.22. There's a, there's a fruit in there. The fruit of the spirit. See, the, this is what the fruit actually looks like. And he lists these out. It's love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control walked out in the real world with real stuff. You can say all those things, but if you don't demonstrate, see, you can tell what's in a person's heart by watching where the feet go. Hear your verbiage. What are you doing with it in that area? Everyone has been given a measure of faith. What are we doing with that? Back to Mark chapter 4. We've got just a few more verses. I'm kind of like Crawford. I could be here all night. I can talk about him. He's not here. I love my pastor too. I really do. 
And Jake and I will be glad when he's back. He's back up here preaching. Right? <laughs> this is good, but man, I don't want to have to do this every week. Oh, love the word. Verse 21. And he was saying to them, a lamp is not uh, brought to be put under a basket, is it? Or under a bed? Is it not brought to be put on a lampstand? Uh, Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who's in heaven. It's about the glory of God. It really is. But we get the benefit a lot of this as well. Verse 22, for nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret, but that it should come to light. Now that corresponds very clearly over to verse 11, the mystery of the kingdom of God. He wants you to know. He wants you to press in. He wants you to ask questions. Let me just say this about the Lord. When you ask him questions, God talks when he wants to. There are times he answers immediately. There are other times I've forgotten I've even asked the question. And then all of a sudden, boom, there it is. See? Or somebody will say something. That's the answer to what I asked in that area. So he uses all of us to help each other be able to hear as well. Have conversation with him at some point where you can hear it with the ears on your own head. Speak out loud to him. You will find it a great asset. Says, talk to the Lord out loud. Couple of reasons. Number one, you get past the fear of the sound of your own voice. So when it comes to pray with other people or whatever else, you've already crossed that threshold. The other important part of it is you'll hear things come out of your mouth and say, oh, I didn't even know I thought that. Oh, that's unbelief. What's up with that? Or I'm afraid but you'll be listening to that and your spirit, man or woman on the inside, will be discerning what's come out of your mouth, whether it's right or not. This is incredibly important. So pray some out loud. And I, I remember Corson saying this, and I so agree with that, move your lips. If you're in a place you don't, you'll see me in, in service here, you'll see my lips moving because I'm praying in that area. But there's something about making sound or producing verbiage in that, in that dimension that will produce faith in your heart as well. I think it's really important. Verse 23, here it comes again. If any man, any man, that's mankind, has ears to hear, let him hear. And he was saying to them, take care what you listen to. Boy, is that huge. By your measure, standard of measure, it will be measured to you and more will be given you beside. For whoever has, to him shall more be given. And whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Now that corresponds, the word taken away is Iro. It's the same word that's over in verse 15. Satan comes immediately to take away the word that's been sown in the heart. So this is an area of taking care, being paying attention to what you listen to, discerning in that area. Because there's a whole bunch of stuff that is in, spoken in the spirit realm that's not from the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, test all things. Or one translation says, examine everything carefully and hold on to that which is good. So you test it by the word. Does it sound like Jesus? Now, I'm only half done, so just get ready for that. <clears throat> I put together 
a little document here, and there's plenty of them here if you'd like one. And can we get the other slide up? A up there, somebody. There we go, okay. That's pretty small, but we've got these in here. And one of the things that I've really learned about the, the word is to have a working knowledge of the word of God. So when some situation comes up, you know where to go to the word. So I've just given you a run and start at this. This is a Costco taste, okay? This is what this is. And so I've got 12 categories that I put together and you can begin to look at this. Number one is the promises. We talked a little bit about that. All the promises of God are yes, and they find their amen in Christ Jesus. And in 2 Peter 2, it says that through the exceedingly great and precious promises that we become partakers of divine nature. And then the second category, I stole this from Joe Shook. I asked her the other day what she was thinking, and she said this, living loved. I, something just went off in my spirit that felt so good. The longer I thought about it, the bigger it got. And so I put a, a lot of scriptures there in living love. When you feel ugly or somebody's beating you up or taking advantage of you, you need to be loved at that point in time because love covers a multitude of sin. And the word of God and the love relationship that he's given to us in that area Part of verse, uh, uh, John 16, 27 says, the father himself loves you. And he always reminds me that, particularly if I've really fouled up in some dimension, he makes me look in the, him in the eye and realize that he loves me when I'm fouled up. Love is an amazing gift. Faith works by love. And there's hope and help and comfort and forgiveness and healing, deliverance, freedom. Fear is a big deal. Fear comes in a lot of strange ways in that area. There's some scriptures to refute those things. And then there's faith and also some for the word of God. This is in no way an exhaustive list, but it'll give you a start as well. Now, Rachel, was the website on the other? Can you flip that back to that one again for a minute? <clears throat> ah, there it is right there. That's the website that I use in that area. When you go to that website, then you can click on Strong's and Strong's Concordance is there and you can look up any word in that area. There's a whole bunch of other helps that are on that website. It's an easy one to use. Man, if I can use it, you can, any of you can use that. And if you have a problem, find a child. They will help you. <laughs> but this is stuff is for real. When you begin to investigate the word of God and receive the word of God, and it's one of the things that I do when something really strikes my heart. I've say this, said this out loud for years and years. Lord, I receive that. I take hold of that. I believe that. I accept that. That's what the good soil does. When you begin to assimilate the word, that grows the bank on the inside of you. And then when pressure comes or whatever else, you think, well, that's what's going on. What does the word say? You go immediately to area and you begin to draw and you re-believe it again in this situation. And faith comes in that area and it will stimulate you in that dimension. Now, my desire is that for all of us develop an appetite and a hunger for the word of God. Jeremiah 15, 16 says this, 
Your words were found and I did eat them. And they become to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I so remember like it was yesterday. I heard Doug Shepard read that. I said, where is that verse? I want that verse. And it's, it's just like it's stuck in my heart. And I've, I've said this a number of times. Rick and I argue about whose verse that is. Well, I'm older. It's my verse. <laughs> but we share. Okay. But there's something of ingesting the words. See, it washes your brains out, but it feeds your spirit. And faith comes in that dimension. It also gives you identity. The last part of the verse, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. We belong to Jesus Christ. And that's the bottom line. I could go on, but we're done. But you're not going to get out of here. We're going to pray together again. You're going to have prayer circles. And I'm going to pray here in a moment. I'm going to ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So don't you dare slip out of here. I've already told the ushers, you know. <laughs> That's not true. But there's something about praying for each other. And this is what I'm going to ask you to pray. Ask the Lord for a revelation how to receive his word. And how to live his word. How to walk in the word and how to do it with someone else in that area as well. Father, you have given me a revelation. Obviously, you've given that to Rick Crawford as well. And the passion that we have for your word, and you've given it to Jake, and there's multitudes of people in this room that we all have a passion for your word. But we've got to live it out. We've got to embrace the word. We've got to enter into it. And we've got to receive the word implanted and allow it to grow. It needs to be watered by the Spirit of God. It needs to be taught to us again and again. Because I don't care how many times we go through a passage, there's always more to learn and more to receive. Would you give us the ability to let our hearts go soft so that we can come into a place that we're good soil, that we're receptive <clears throat> Excuse me, to your grace. So the Spirit of God, teach us how to walk in the light, and how to receive together today's portion. In Jesus' name, amen.